technology and spine and how does it help you advance or modify your practice. Hello everybody, Dr. Larson here and welcome to On Call with Dr. Larson. This is an episode about my experience on call, which I just finished and um, at the community hospital here in Coeur d'Alene, Idaho. And uh, after doing so, I, I, I jetted off to uh, Park City, Utah, where I got to catch up with colleagues at a spine meeting, the Selby meeting, and it was, it was really awesome because you get out of your own bubble and the bubble's been big lately, as you know, we're all we all feel pretty confined right now, one way or another, wherever you are, things have closed up on you or you're limited in some way in regard, but it was nice to get out and have some business as usual with colleagues from the past uh, new, new, and, and new colleagues going into the future. One of the topics that came up in uh, Park City at the meeting was technology, technology and spine and how does it help you advance or modify your practice. So neurosurgeons that are performing these same kinds of surgeries on the same kinds of pathologies but in different ways but ultimately with the same idea of decompressing the affected nerve and then stabilizing the segment that you need to, to, to stabilize. So this episode right now I'm, I'm veering more towards spine surgery and not brain surgery. The spine surgery is one of the things I do as a board certified neurosurgeon and by the way I just received my uh, board certification my continuation of board certification, so I'm going into my third decade now of being board, board certified by the American Board of Neurologic Surgery. So back to spine. When we do spine surgery, the, the, the principles that have to be going through your mind each time is, am I decompressing? Am I taking the pressure off of that affected nerve, that affected spinal cord, that, that area of the nervous system that is somehow pinched, compressed, or hurt? Am I treating that? And then am I stabilizing the surrounding structures? So you can stabilize by A, sneaking in in a minimally invasive way, doing your decompression without disrupting too much of the musculature and the ligaments and the bone, and then allowing the patient to rehab and get on with their life without stabilization. And that is, the, in general, the, the, the perceived preferred way of doing this, to do the least invasive work necessary to get the job done. But there are times where you need to stabilize the spine by putting in screws, by putting in rods, by putting in cages, by putting in cement, by putting in artificial discs, things like that. And, and, and trust the system. You, know, you find, the, find, the, find the right mind to diagnose you, the right hands to heal you, and then trust it because there are, there are many ways to do this. And speaking to my colleagues and, and listening to the different ways as we veered on and, and learned our techniques and refined our techniques while going through our own 10,000 hours and 20,000 hours of doing these surgeries um, has, has, been, has, been, has, been, has been a fun, fun ride and it continues. What I've noticed is that since I've been doing more and more and more outpatient surgeries, I'm getting the same thing done through a smaller incision. So if you're having a cervical spine surgery or a lumbar spine surgery and you're having three, two, three, or one level done, I can generally do that through a small enough incision that you really can't tell whether there's been hardware put in or not because it's such a, it's such a small opening that you, it's the same opening I would use to, to, re, to remove the compression, to remove the disc, to remove the bone in the laminectomy. I'm just adding 
the hardware to stabilize that. So it became very reasonable, it has become very reasonable to do that surgery in the outpatient surgery center, which has been a big, 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 um, big boost for patients in my community because it's less expensive, it's, it's more readily available, um, and um, the results are generally as good or better because the technique is so refined, so systematic, um, and so, so, so reproducible that you can have this result over and over and over again and get back to doing whatever it is that you need to do in the more expedited time and have it done in an outpatient surgery center and recover in the confines of your own home or a hotel room if you live uh, somewhere far away. Another thing that came up at the, uh, in these talks was uh, regenerative medicine. I just went through a process on myself. I had, a, I, I, in uh, November, I did the Moab Half Marathon and part of the marathon was to run through a river, or we're supposed to cross a river, and it turned out we had to run through a river for like a mile. So I was doing what I could, to not to cheat that, but to stay out of the water. And I was trying to ride, you had to, you had to stay within the flags, you know, and so I'm running on the, on the, um, the bank of the river and I just pushed it too far and ended up twisting. I heard my knee pop, my good knee. And I, was, I had both two good knees, but one of them had surgery in the past and I had a couple injuries and such. But I, f I heard the pop and then I fell into the water, up to my shoulders in this cold Moab water in November. I ended up finishing the race, that was mile 11. I think I, you know, the half marathon takes you through mile 13. And then after that, for the weeks after that, it was just stiff, 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 stiff. I tried to exercise it, I did a little bit of physical therapy. Finally, I got an MRI, because it just wasn't getting better, and the, the MRI showed a, a tear in the meniscus and a bruise on the bone, and the ligaments were largely intact, and I had an orthopedic surgeon look at it, and it was intact, so I opted to have some stem cell injected into my knee, and then I, I had just put a hyperbaric chamber and a light therapy table in our clinic because we're getting ready to, well, A, I wanted it for myself, and B, we're getting ready to open a branch of our, of our practice here designed towards what's called biohacking, where you can kind of do these small biologic enhancements to make your cells better. And if you make your cells better, you make your, your body better. And if your body is better, your life is better. And I mean, there's even talks about re reversing aging with some of these these, these techniques, and I'm not going on to say we're gonna reverse aging, but nonetheless, I used it to help activate the stem cells that I had injected, and I'm happy to say that I'm back to skiing. As I said, I just got back from Park City where I just was ripping it up uh, with some friends there. I'm playing tennis, I'm running again. Um, I'm gonna go back out on the ice rink and play some hockey, so we got to talking about like stem cell and other regenerative techniques, hyperbaric therapies, um, light therapies, cryotherapy, all these things, you know, diet, everything, take care of yourself. And it was, it was, it was fun to hear, hear some of the advances that are going on and they're pretty, they're pretty exciting. As far as the call week goes, it was, it was actually pretty quiet. There were a lot of phone calls from outside hospitals asking how to manage patients. Those phone calls are coming in more and more because we're not able to accept patients into our hospital because the hospital is full. So we're on a case-by-case case basis. Fortunately, there were no grave emergencies that came through. There were no really bad head injuries or, or spine fractures that needed attention, possibly because we just got through the holidays and it, people are 
relax, settle down, whatever, but it, or just by, by, the, by the chance of it. Um, there were some strokes, there were some hemorrhages. Um, the one hemorrhage required surgery, uh, but largely patients were able to be treated non-surgically. So the call duties were, were limited this time around. So I got to uh, not be so tired and I got to, to arrive to Park City uh, um, to my little ski meeting in, in, in quite good shape and ready to roll. I'll tell you more about the, um, the new wing of the Coeur Spine and Brain Clinic what measurements we're going to take so that we can test these results. We know that if we treat ourselves or treat you in these devices, these light therapies, the hyperbaric oxygen treatment, we know there's this level of executive function that improves. You have more blood flow. I mean, it's proven you, by spec scan, you'll see more blood flow to the hippocampus of the brain after so many sessions of hyperbaric treatment. And that enhances your your, your, your memory, it, it, it slows down the process of memory loss. And there's thoughts that that's, gonna, that's helpful in, in, in head injury, in stroke, in dementia. Um, I'm not advocating that, it's by all means not, I'm not, the, I'm not pushing that, but that is what's being suggested by those that, that have experience in, in using these techniques. So I'm trying to figure out now what to measure um, telomere length, the DNA methylation, blood flow studies, what do we measure? I know I feel great. I mean, I, I, I'm a big fan of the placebo effect. So if, whether it's placebo or whether it's, whether it's, it's measurable, I, I, I feel great. I was able to recover my knee as a, as a whole. I, I feel strong. More to come on that. We'll figure this out. And I think you can learn more about this um, on our website or any of our social media posts. I'm Dr. Larson. Thank you for watching.